If you have a copy of God's Word with you this morning, turn with me to the book of Genesis. We will be looking in Genesis chapter 3 and also Genesis chapter 4 this morning. Last week we began Genesis chapter 3 and uh, we looked at the entrance of sin as sin entered the world, as sin came and uh, took its place, took its hold on mankind. We saw the enticement of sin, and today I want us to uh, look, if we can, uh, over these minutes at a couple of attributes of sin. Genesis chapter 3, they will be, these verses will be on the screen. I'm going to start in verse uh, 14, and then I will uh, read a lengthy portion, but verse 14 down through the end or all of chapter 4. So read with me if you have a copy of God's Word with you. Um, read silently as I read aloud or uh, look at the uh, verses on the screen if you don't have a copy with you today. The Lord said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock, above all beast of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. And to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. The man called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living. And the Lord made for Adam... And for his wife, garments of skins and clothed them. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil. Now, lest he reach out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him out from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove him out. He drove him out, drove out the man, and at the east of the Garden of Eden, he placed the cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. Now Adam knew his wife. She conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again, she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, and Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, 
he had no regard. So Cain was very angry and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry and why is your face fallen? If you do well, will uh, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother. When they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel, your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. And now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. You shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, you have driven me today away from the ground, and from your face I shall be hidden. I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. Then the Lord said to him, Not so. If anyone kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. The Lord put a mark on Cain, lest any who would find him should attack him. Then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bore Enoch. While, when he built a city, he called the name of the city after the name of his son, Enoch. And to Enoch was born Irad, and to Irad he fathered Mahuajel. And Mahuajel fathered Methushiel. I wish it was John and Tom. And Methusiel fathered Lamech, and Lamech took two wives. The name of one was Adah, and the name of the other was Zilhah. Adah bore Jabal. He was the father of those who dwell in the tents and have livestock. His brother's name was Jubal. They were very creative, as you can see. He was the father of all those who play the lyre and the pipe. Zilhah also bore Tubal, Cain. Very creative. And he was the forger of all the instruments of bronze and iron. The sister of Tubal Cain was Nama. Lamech said to his wives in verse 23 Adah and Zilhah, hear my voice, you wives of Lamech. Listen to what I say. I have killed a man for wounding me, a young man for striking me. If Cain's revenge is sevenfold, then Lamech's is seventy sevenfold. And Adam knew his wife again. She bore a son and called his name Seth, for she said, God has appointed for me another offspring instead of Abel, for Cain killed him. To Seth, also a son was born. He called his name Enosh. And at that time, people began to call upon the name of the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I bow before you, and God, I ask that 
you would speak. Father, you'd speak and, and weave together this passage with our lives as individuals and our life here as your church in such a way that your name would be honored. Father, might the emphasis today of this passage, might the emphasis of this sermon come from you and not from my voice. Lord, we need, I know I say this often, but Father, we need to hear from you. For only you change hearts. For only you can truly change direction of lives that have meaning, that have substance, that no longer wander like Cain or those of his descendants, but Father, that, that are righteous, that seek after you and your face. So would you please speak? Ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Before we look at the two attributes this morning, let, let me bring us up to speed. I'm not going to re-preach the sermon. I didn't say this last week. But what happened in the garden for you and for me to understand all these events, we need to kind of take a step back and look at it from maybe 30,000 feet or even further back. Because in the beginning, before God created anything, there was one will. One will. It was God's will. Then He created heavenly beings. He created the angels. And there in heaven, in His presence, sin entered existence. Lucifer fail. We read that last week out of Isaiah chapter 14. You can go look in verses 10 through 14. You can see that and read in those verses um, how he failed, 14 through 17. When he failed, there were two wheels. There was that of God and there was that of, of Satan and all those that had followed after him. They were doing his will. They were doing Satan's will. They were following him and so there were two wheels. Then God stepped into this time and he created what you see, what you taste, what you feel, what you hear. He created all the universe, and in that he created man, Adam, and Eve. They were following after him. Then the passage that we looked at last week, Satan came and he tempted Eve, and Adam sinned, both of them sinned. And what Satan was wanting to do was this. He was wanting to thwart the will of God. He was wanting to stop the will of God, but he was also wanting God's creation to take on his will. And that did not happen. Adam didn't take on Satan's will. Eve didn't take on Satan's will. What happened is they took on their own will. And then there were four wills. God's, Satan's, Adam's, Eve's. Then when they had children, they had eight wheels. They had 37 wheels. They had 498 wheels. They had billions of wheels now. And you ask, why can't we have peace? It's because everybody is looking after themselves. 
sin entered. There was enticement, and now I want us to look at the attributes. The first attribute that we see this morning out of this passage from Genesis 3 and Genesis 4 is this, that the effect, effect of sin, that it affects everything. Sin affects every single thing around you. It affects you, it affects me. My sin affects you, your sin affects me. Sin on the other side of the world affects us. Sin has touched every single thing. It has affected everything that you and I see, that you and I taste, that you and I feel, that you and I hear. It has affected all of history, all of science. It has affected Everything and that effect, those effects come out in a number of ways. I have six for us as we look at this passage. The first is guilt. Adam and Eve are in the garden and they eat, and there is guilt. There's so much guilt that they see themselves as naked, and they were naked and they weren't ashamed, and now they are naked and they are ashamed, but there's guilt. And what do they do? They go and they hide themselves in the trees, hoping and praying that God would just pass by. I really just hope that he doesn't see me. I want to cover myself in fig leaves. I want to go hide in the midst of the trees. And as he walks in the cool of the day, as he walks by, just walk by, there's guilt. But with that guilt comes shame. They knew that they were naked. They they sewed these fig leaves together and they hid in the trees and they were afraid. God comes and starts asking questions and Adam answers the questions and he comes out and he hears the judgment of God. There's guilt. There's shame. And at the very beginning of this, there is blame casting. Blame casting from this. God comes and he speaks to Adam and the first thing out of Adam's mouth is that woman made me do it. That's not the best thing, guys, for you to to do. It's not the best thing for us to do is to blame our mate. But the blame casting didn't stop there with Adam. The blame casting went on to Eve. And he said it was her fault. She said it was the serpent's fault. And every single one of us try to do just that. We try to blame someone else. You try to do it. You try to do it by saying, you know what? She made me do this. She made me react the way. When she came in and she said those things, she made me react. Or he made me react. No, he didn't. No, she didn't. Or maybe you've said it this way. You know, the devil made me do it. The devil didn't make you do anything. The devil didn't make me do anything. I chose to do it. I chose to say the words that I said. I chose to walk the way that I walked. You chose to say the things that you said. You chose to have the attitude that you have. Satan didn't make you do it. Satan didn't make Eve eat of the fruit. Satan didn't make Adam eat of the fruit. He has never made anyone do anything. Look on the screen at Romans chapter 6 
verses 10 through 16, at what Paul says. He says, for the death he died, he's speaking of Christ. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under the law, but under grace. What then? Verse 15. Are we to sin because we're not under the law, but under grace? And my favorite Greek word, meganoitoi, by no means. Do Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, are of obedience, which leads to righteousness. That verse 16 hits home. Because you and I sin because we present ourselves to that sin and we obey it. We look at it and we're like Eve and we're enticed by it. We look at it and we're like Adam and we just just go ahead and go against what God has to say and we run full speed towards sin and we obey it. Blame casting. Nobody outside of yourself made you do any of it. But then if we pick up the story here, we see that there are a couple of other things that come about. We see that there's denial. Cain and Abel both brought offerings, and we'll look at those in just a moment. But there was denial when Cain... And his offering was rejected. There was denial when Cain was asked by God, where's Abel? Do you know what's happened to Abel? Where is he? He just denied it. Cain denied that he knew where his brother was. He denied that anything was wrong. How typical that is. Just ignore it or at least he tried to ignore it. You you can't keep ignoring the elephant in the room, Cain. Just think for a moment. You live, we we live around this small lake, and, and the banks of the lake come right up to our backyard, and it is a gorgeous lake, but in that lake there is a 12 foot alligator. And it is just under the surface waiting. Would you let your pet go to the banks? You know, that pet that you hold in your lap that you love. Would you let your pet go to the bank? Would you let your child go to the bank? What would have to happen to allow your limbs, your arms, your legs to get in the water there in that lake? Something would have to happen to the alligator. You can't just deny it. Oh, it's a beautiful day. Let's just go get in the lake. How foolish. We wouldn't do it. Maybe the next effect comes your way. That of defensiveness. Once, once Cain killed Abel, 
God came to him just as he did Adam and just as he did Eve in the garden. He starts asking questions. He, he doesn't ask the questions because he does not know. He asks the questions to pull it out of Cain, to pull it out of Adam, to pull it out of you, to pull it out of me, to bring us to the point that we see our need for him. I told you the story before, but when I was in high school, my parents left for the weekend and um, we decided to have a party. We being me, myself, and I decided to have a party at the house and there were some 30 people at the house and that, I, I planned it all week. It, it was a big bash. I knew exactly where all the furniture was going to go. We moved it all up into one corner of the room very carefully and we partied. We partied upstairs, we partied downstairs, there were people everywhere. About three quarters through the night, we heard a crash. It was in the bathroom. I mean, come on. But a guy dropped the phone, and the phone hit on a piece of glass, a decorated piece of glass, and the glass broke. And uh, cut his hand. I mean, there's blood on the wall um, where he's trying to put it back together. And I'd do my very best to put the things back together. It was a three-tiered little... uh, piece of furniture with three pieces of glass and I put two pieces of glass there I covered it up real well the bottom piece I just put the potted plant on the floor and uh, my mom came in Sunday afternoon six o'clock went to that restroom she never goes to that restroom she went to that restroom she comes out even before she goes to the restroom what happened it's like what are you talking about get defensive nothing happened knowing all well and good I knew exactly what happened I didn't do anything. You ever got defensive? You get caught in a sin? Maybe it was the attitude that you just threw up for no reason whatsoever. You're just mad at them. You're mad at the wife. You're mad at the kids. You're mad at the husband. You're mad at your co-workers. And it's all because of your sin. You're defensive. Cain got defensive with the father. But what you need to understand is ultimately the effect that sin brings or the attribute and that effect is that it brings death. Spiritual death came about the moment that Adam and Eve ate the fruit, but physical death came later. I truly believe, I I do, I truly believe that Adam and Eve were the most miserable people that have ever been created. Think about it for a moment. They're created into perfection. They are created into a world, into a garden, into a place where everything is perfect. And then for hundreds of years, They hear the cries of moms in labor. For hundreds of years, they see thorns and thistles. And I just think, do they think about that garden? That if they would have just obeyed. Spiritual death came at the moment that they ate the fruit. But physical death, it came later. The physical death of Abel came 
as his brother murdered him. Just like with Cain, sin for you and sin for me is crouching at our door. Some of you are here today and you're ready to give up on God. Some of you are here and you're saying, you know what, I just can't get ahead. I'm just ready to to throw in the towel. I can't catch a break. So you're just going to give up. Might I remind you and might I ask you, might I encourage you, might I exhort you, don't just look at the temporary. Don't, don't just look at here and now. Don't just look at the problems that you face right at this moment. Look at the eternal. Take the long look into view instead of quick satisfaction. Sure, you may feel good right now. But what about the cruel reality of the consequences of your sin? Sure, you, you might think that you have a grasp on it. And you might be saying to yourself, it's only on Tuesdays, it's only on Thursdays from 4 to 4.30, it's only on Friday nights that all this is happening, it's only on Monday mornings when this thing comes about. But I'm telling you, it has a hold of you. You don't have a hold of it. And what you have, what you think you have in the darkness, will come to light. It'll come to light. And everyone, everyone will smell the filth and everyone will see the mud and the muck and the pit that you have been wallowing in. Come clean right now. Come and be washed whiter than snow. Put your trust in him. The second attribute of sin, not just the effects that it brings and how it affects everything, but the second attribute is the expansion of sin. Sin expands. There, there's no way that you can keep it down. If you give it one inch, it will take 10,000 miles of your life. The door is cracked. It will burst it wide open. From the sin in the garden, the next recorded sin is that of murder. The murder of a brother. The text here speaks of the offerings that have been given to the Lord. Cain, a tiller of the ground, brought an offering to the Lord, as did Abel, a keeper of the flocks. What was the disobedience that brought about this expansion? It was the disobedience of these offerings. And on face value, you and I might look at it and say, well, the difference in these offerings were that one was the blood of animals and the fat portions, and the other, why it was rejected, was because it didn't have the blood of animals. But let's look under the surface for just one moment. Both of these words, both of these offerings use the word minha. Both brought offerings, but there were some stark differences in the offerings, even more stark of difference than the aspect of the plants versus that of an animal. 
look at the heart and how it was given. The statement is there in chapter 4 that Cain brought the fruits of the field and likewise Abel brought of the flocks, but he brought of the first fruits and Abel also brought of the fat portions. What does it mean? It means this, that Abel came with his heart solely affixed on the Father and said, there's no way that I can make it except through you. I understand that, I see that, and I give not of my last, not of just any part, but I give of my first fruits, and I give of the fat portions as well. And I pray that it will be a pleasing aroma in your presence. If we were all honest this morning, we would all say, you know what, there's been some minhas that I have offered up and... I was half-hearted. There's been some minhas that I've offered up in these offerings that I have given, whether it's financial, whether it's time, whether it's my presence even here at this place on certain Sunday mornings, that my minha, my offering to the Father was half-hearted. And God says the same to you and me as He said to Cain. I reject it. If you're going to go to the Father, I'm going to go to the Father, we must go on His terms. Period. If we don't, He rejects it. The expansion of sin went from the garden to the murder of Abel even more. And it continues to expand today. If you look at the lineage, those names that I read for you, those men, in Genesis chapter 4, there are seven generations from Adam through that of Cain. With the last being a man by the name of Lamech who had three kids that are recorded here. Three boys and also a girl. It stopped there because of judgment. We'll see that in the coming weeks because of the judgment of the flood. But I want you to see something as we come to a close. You and I can live in a society and everything is good. And that society has their face 180 degrees away from God. Cain and all of those that followed after him, those in his lineage, they were crafty, they were skilled men and women. They are the ones who brought about a civil society. And the society that they lived in were that of huge towns, that were uh, of those who were skilled in the arts. They played musical instruments, that similar to a guitar, which is a lyre, that similar to a flute, which is the pipe. They were those in society who had everything. And everything was good. And if you don't think that that could be the case, why don't you just 
from this point move forward just a little bit and look at the Egyptian society and all the pleasantries there in Egypt. Or even move a little further forward in the history book and look at that of the Assyrians and the Babylonians and the Medes and the Persians and the Romans. Think about some of previous generations very close to us, that of the Nazis in Germany, that of Stalin and the USSR, or even look at present day and see a society, see a culture, see a nation that is on the rise, that of China. Or even in the one that you and I live in. Sin expands. It is a clear attribute and one that doesn't take long to see it multiply in our lives each and every day. A crossword. An unfinished task. Allow the walls of a working or of a love family relationship to show cracks and tear away at the foundation that they were built upon. Sin divides. If you were to look at that lineage, the list there, and if you look next week in Genesis chapter 5 and see the list of that of Seth, you will see a distinct, a definite, a different, a difference in the line of Cain and that of Seth. No one could say that if you were of the lineage of Seth, you were righteous. Or if you were of the lineage of Cain, you were unrighteous. But there is a fork in the road between those two brothers. It's very easy to see there were only eight people on the ark. But there is a division or a fork. Paul put it this way in Romans chapter 5 and Romans chapter 6. Speaking about the difference, what you and I need to understand, what we must come to understand now, the law came in. The law came in to increase the trespass. But where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. What shall we say? Are are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? We were buried therefore with Him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was also raised from the dead by the glory of the Father. We too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with Him in a death like His, we shall certainly be united with Him in a resurrection like His. We know that our old self was crucified with Him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. The one who has died has been set free from sin. As a believer in Christ, if you have bowed the knee, 
you have confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Not just a knowledge that something happened almost 2,000 years ago, but an acceptance of His work and His payment on the cross for you, for your sin. You and I have died to sin. It no longer has chains on you. It's no longer your master. Even though it rages on and seems to be winning, there is no other way. It seems that way. But you have died to sin. And you are free. You're free of the chains of sin. You are free to Christ. You are free now to walk in a newness of life in Christ. Where sin expanded. Where sin expanded, grace abounded even more. At the end of this chapter, of chapter 4, there is this one verse and there's these one, this one line. And it says this, To Seth also was a son born, and he called his name Enosh. At that time, people began to call upon the name of the Lord. At that time when society was raging in the arts. At that time when society was saying, hey, we don't need God. Hey, we can make it on our own. At that time. When they were running as far away from God as possible. Or falling down the slippery slope as fast as gravity would take them. At that time. Began to call upon the name of the Lord. Sin as it expands. Very similar in our society and in our day as it was in the day of Cain. Might you and I find ourselves calling on the name of the Lord. Heavenly Father, I bow before you. And I call upon you. King of the universe. High and exalted. Father, the train of your robe is filling the temple. And your creation is singing your praises. Father, I pray for myself that I would take my eyes off the temporary. I would take my eyes off of the quick, the now. Father, I would fix my gaze on you. Every time I turn on the TV, every time I go to the news website, every time I turn on the radio and I hear an update, Father, it is so quick and easy for me to become sarcastic, become angry at the direction that this place is going. Father, might I also be quick to come to the point that bad has to be bad for good to be good. And Father, you are good. And what you will bring, what you are bringing, is not just good, it's great. 
Father, might this church, your family, your sons and daughters, might we rest in you. No matter the waves that are on the surface, might we rest in you. The trials that you bring us to, Father, you are faithful to bring us through. Might we rest in you. The invitation is for you today, sir. It is for you today, ma'am. You need to deal with the sin that is in your life. You can't hide the elephant in the room. God has given you grace. If it has not come to the surface, He has given you grace and He's given you time to deal with the sin that is in your life. Deal with it today. Deal with it on His terms. The altar is open for you. If you'd like for me to pray with you, I'll be more than happy to do so. If you don't know Jesus and you... You've heard about Him and what He's done for you. He's brought life for you. Why don't you come and let me talk to you and introduce Him to you. As we stand and as we sing, the invitation is open.